Hello. You're listening to Earth Matters, the National Environment and Social Justice Program. Today's show was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri in Canberra for 3CR in Nam, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. From this land and all the lands, I'm Beck Horridge. In today's Earth Matters, we bring you part two of the Women's Climate Conversation, produced by the Women's Climate Congress, called Women Bringing New Agendas to COP28. Part one and today's show featured Natalie Sifuma, Head of Communications from She Changes Climate, Anna Reynolds, the Lord Mayor of Hobart, talking about the global covenant of mayors for climate and energy, and Katrine Geyer, Environmental Advisor for the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. In conversation with the Women's Climate Congress founder, Dr. Janet Salisbury. Here are some snippets from part one. Natalie Safuma said, In a nutshell, what we do is address the climate crisis by taking head on the leadership challenge, which we believe is one of the reasons why there hasn't been sufficient progress in climate action. Anna Reynolds said, it does worry me for my children about the disruption that um, I think will be part of their lives. Uh, I do think that we have to stay motivated, though, and optimistic about how quickly things can change if we are determined enough and we're clever enough because it's determination has to be combined with being strategic and uh, clever about what we do and uh, the action we take. And Katrine Goya. I think it's important to to note that the environmental damage caused by military exercises and weapons testing during so-called peacetime exceeds that of wars themselves. Here's Janet Salisbury with part two of Women Bringing New Agendas to COP28. While everyone is uh, just coming in and some more people are Coming in and uh, settling down, um, just to welcome you into the space, I'm just going to play a piece of music. It's a song which is written by a good friend of mine here in Canberra called Johanna McBride, and it's called Dear Earth.
always love that recording. Dear Earth, living Earth, will you be our home? We need to protect you, reconnect with you. Deep in our bones, you are our home, which I feel connects us deeply to our purposes here together. So welcome, everyone. It's been marvellous to see all the registrations coming in for this event. And I know we have people from around Australia and also from other parts of the world. And I hope you managed to find us in amongst all the different time zones. And thank you very much for, for that. I would like to, just for all those in Australia and everyone, to acknowledge that uh, here I'm meeting on the land of First Nations people here in Australia. I'm in the nation's capital, Canberra, and that is Ngunnawal and the Gambri land. And I pay my respects to those elders, past, present and emerging. And I pay respects to any First Nations and Indigenous people who are online today and to the, and to the first owners of all the lands where people are joining today. And please, in the tradition of Zoom calls, uh, feel free to put into the chat uh, greeting and uh, some information about where you are you are joining from. Natalie just mentioned there was women bringing uh, solutions uh, is a very important part of that. That it's not only the women uh, being in the ta- at the table in numbers, but it's about women bringing solution bringing solutions. And I and I just wondered whether in your work with the mayors, whether you feel that women. I don't know what whether are there more women that have been involved in this global climate action, or how does you know how does it work with women bringing their solutions to the table in in that forum that you're working with? Thank you, Janet. Um, I don't have the data about how many women mayors are involved with the um, global covenant of mayors compared to male mayors, but what I do know is that local government is certainly a more accessible level of government. Uh, to women and has um, greater, in many countries, much higher representation of women in local government uh, than in um, national governments. Uh, And it's also a really useful uh, stepping stone for women who are keen to, you know, go from being an activist and an advocate and a campaigner into a decision-making role um, where they uh, will, you know, can set laws uh, can set budgets um, for climate solutions. So I, I do, whenever I get a chance, I do encourage people to think about um, you can be a campaigner and a decision maker. Uh, and um, we do, you know, I think as Natalie said, uh, the climate crisis is a leadership crisis and we, we desperately need more um, uh, very um strong climate advocates in all positions of leadership uh, in national governments, state governments and local governments. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the more, the more uh, good climate activists that get into those elected roles, I think we will see faster action. Uh, and a good place to start is, is certainly in local government, both because there's really practical things that you can do for climate solutions uh, but also because it is a way uh, to to really build up experience in the um, in the process of being in government. Thanks for that. 
Um, and I might just uh, just return maybe to Katrine for a minute because you were going to tell us a little bit about the uptake of uh, the what you were telling us about the demilitarisation agenda that Wolf is bringing by uh, in relation to COP and whether that is going to be something that can come under the agenda there. I must say that one of the things I wrote about in my article that I mentioned earlier is it does bother me that when uh, you know we're faced with all of this these climate catastrophes and there's been so little response from world leaders you'd think that nothing's happening they're just getting on with business as usual but when there's any kind of little military action something happens anyway you know um you know a, a um, drone over the US or something you know there's massive sort of <laughs> response and I just think well what's going on you know why isn't there you know why isn't there the response to climate um these catastrophic events we seem to be walking into into worse situation but um there's no response anyway I'll I'll, I'll pass over to you Katrin to just uh, tell us whether this has been taken up as an issue to be yeah so um yeah, I have a few things to say on that. So I think um, what we are doing... Oh, God, okay. okay <laughs> um, what we're trying to do as WIP is really to build a strong foundation across all of the different coalitions and civil society movements that are contributing to um, the COP process. And um, so one, one part of that is that WIP is part of the Women and Gender Constituency, which is one of the nine stakeholders groups of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change and the WGC is really working to ensure women's voices and their rights are embedded in all processes and results of the UNFCCC framework. So we just launched a working group within the Women and Gender Constituency on demilitarization and we're really trying to build a, a strong movement and develop our strategy and advocacy within this working group but the idea is also to go beyond um, the women and gender constituency um, and bring in other um, constituencies and other stakeholders, such as the Climate Action Network. In terms of the response, so there is now more awareness um, of the impacts of conflict and military and conflict emissions because of the war in Ukraine. And because of that, Ukraine actually um, has taken up um, that topic already at COP27, and they have co-hosted a couple of events on conflict emissions. So there is some attention around this, which is good. It's a good entry point. However, for Wilt, it's not enough to just talk about conflict emission, but we really need to look at the entire on uh, into all of the aspects that we mentioned uh, that I mentioned earlier. And just lastly, I think this year is a great opportunity to really raise the issue of demilitarization because at COP28, for the first time, peace is an official theme on the official agenda of COP. Sorry, and I'm really trying to rush and just <laughs> stumbling over my words. But um, so yeah, there's um, a unique opportunity this year to to amplify the issue of demilitarization and we will be strategizing in this working group how to best use that day to um, raise awareness on the topic. But honestly, I don't see the issue of demilitarization to be included in negotiations at this COP. It's a longer-term process, unfortunately. So all, all of the women that are on this call now, can they be taking, they can be taking this issue up with their, um, their country uh, governments? And, yeah. <laughs> okay, now I'm just, before I go back to Natalie again, I'm just, I can see there's a lot of uh, exchanging of uh, information going on on the chat and... Um, 
uh, and a lot of people are saying it's great to be hearing from all these, you know, it's very empowering to be hearing from these women doing all these things. Um, have I missed anything in the way of questions, Lynn? Is there... uh, no, there's a lot of comments on how great it is to connect and on the importance of women's leadership and one comment on the importance of expressing anger and grief in order for us to be able to work together effectively. But there's a lot of interaction happening on the chat, which is really great. And lovely to see so many international visitors today. Uh, feel free to join the Women's Climate Congress if you'd like to stay in touch with us. Yeah. So I'll just, uh, maybe I'll just go back to Natalie for a minute. Uh, so. How do you see all of these uh, actions of women sort of coalescing? Uh, I mean, I, I feel really excited when I feel part of this big global movement of women and just and the work that She Changes Climate is doing is always very inspiring. Um, I think there's also a plan to try and get um, a multi-stakeholder dialogue happening at COP28. So how do you see these actions coming together, Natalie? Do you want to add some further comment? Yes, um, absolutely. So really just going back to one of the comments in the chat about um, just sharing the aspect of grief and the reality. I think for me, one of the intentions I walked into my role at She Changes Climate with as a comms professional was to bring the aspect of storytelling as a tool for social change. As a storyteller, which is one of the many hats that I wear, I see myself as a conduit. And so as I'm telling the stories of those either most affected by climate change or who are working with people at the front line. It's really just a story to show their reality as well as to show the key values that they hold dear. So in as much as they're facing these crises, um, they are still portraying resilience. They are still, you know, hard at work in rebuilding, whether it's their communities, their families, more often than not, it's the women who are doing this work. And so I think that we should also really try and pay attention to how powerful stories are. And um, I know that in Africa, this is something that's you know ingrained in us. Storytelling was how information, indigenous knowledge was passed down through generations. So that's one thing that I just wanted to share on that. Um, but moving on to the aspect of COP28, I would say that she changes climate. <laughs> we are, I mean, obviously, I think we were surprised, but also not too surprised that at COP28, there's only half a day that's been dedicated to gender, um, which is, I mean, quite unfortunate to say the least, but we do want to rally as much public as support as we can in the lead up to um, COP28 and be, um, again, just a channel through which people on the outside can be connected to what's happening on the inside. And so right now we are in a space where we're working with a comms agency, really just to make sure that information that's happening in there is made accessible to people who may not be conversant with COP um, and really just bringing them with us as we work towards this uh, vision, a 50-50 vision, man and women co-chairing. Beyond that, we are planning for a multi-stakeholder dialogue on either week, I think week one during Nature Day, and then we will have a small gathering with you know other women-led uh, movements and others who share the same vision and mission as us on week two during gender day. So I would say that that's, yeah, that's what we're going in with. But uh, I would say that there is a lot of hope and positivity that um, future cops will will have 
that gender balance that we are looking for or looking forward to. You're listening to Earth Matters, broadcast nationally across these stolen and unceded lands via the Community Radio Network. Now here's a song, Last Night I Had the Strangest Dream, was first recorded in 1950 by Ed McCurdy. The song tells the story of a dream, of a room filled with men and women signing papers saying they will never fight again. The song was made famous by Simon and Garfunkel, but this version is by Johnny Jolson from his album Songs My Father Taught Me. Last night I had the strangest dream I'd ever dreamed before. I dreamed the world had all agreed to put an end to war. I dreamed I saw a mighty room filled with women and men. And the paper they were signing said They'd never fight again And when the papers all were signed And a million copies were made They all joined hands and bowed their heads And grateful prayers were prayed Round and round And guns and swords and uniforms Were scattered on the ground Last night I had the strangest dream I'd ever dreamed before I dreamed the world had all agreed Put an end to war. Last night I had the strangest dream, sung by Johnny Jolson. This dream reminds me so much of the vision that these women are bringing to COP28 in December this year. It's going to be in the United Arab Emirates. And just imagine if those papers were signed and we did put an end to war and could channel all the finance, rechannel all those trillions that are spent on war into the so many things that urgently need attention, like cutting our CO2 and restoring our ecosystems. (laughs) 
And if you can see the sense in ending war, Earth Matters has another podcast we put out recently about AUKUS, produced by Phil Evans. So check out our recent podcasts on the Earth Matters homepage. And now let's return to Janet Salisbury asking the important questions. What solutions can women bring to COP28? One of the questions I always ask is the gender balance is incredibly important and to get the 50-50 ball, I know you have your pledge that you're asking governments to sign up for, to that they will be bringing that, but given the history of patriarchy uh, and, and our systems are so geared towards and our policies and everything are framed through that lens, you know, is, is it enough, you know, I think we need 80% women in order to <laughs> readdress the balance. I mean, how do women really, and that was, that's why I get excited about when I see women bringing these new agendas to COP because that is, that's like our agendas as well. I know men share these agendas as well, but women are bringing and, and forcing uh, and, and we need, and somehow need to have the floor to, so, it, you know, how do we really make sure that women can bring their own policy lens? <laughs> Is, maybe I'll ask each of you to maybe answer that in just a very bad minute and then we'll wind up. Yeah, how can women bring back at the beginning you introduced She Changes Climate, which started two years ago out of frustration and as a campaign. But over the last two years, one of the things that's enabled us to grow beyond the UK, which is where, you know, sort of the She Changes Climate seeds were planted, was a lot of partnerships and collaborations. And also along the journey, we realized this is why also men need to see where we're coming from and be proactive um, sort of supporters of this movement, because we realized that that shared vision, that shared future requires both men and women or women and men to come together. So I would say that it's really um, to, to go take a roundabout way of answering it. Uh, it's women, I think just coming with more women, coming with more men who also understand, you know, just the, the importance of, of that diverse perspective. Um, yeah, I think that's how I would respond to that. Thank you. And Catherine, do you have something to add on that um yeah i i would agree with everything that natalie said i think um and what you also hinted janet is you know um we need to challenge patriarchy and we need to communicate that patriarchy is harming everyone it's harming men women non-binary people it's harming everyone and i think what's also important is that feminists um really communicate clearly our vision of the alternatives to patriarchy of the alternatives to capitalism of the alternatives to the military because i think if we can't and we we have all of these visions we have them we know the world that we want to build but communicating really concretely what this world will look like also helps i think mobilizing more people and really making sure that women's you know perspectives and and visions are made a reality yeah thank you well we are sort of getting really close to our time so i want to really thank all of our guest conversationalists today um but for bringing all of those different the news of those different initiatives and activities and the, the wonderful work you're doing yeah it's just so great to be part of this international movement we need to keep 
growing and growing and growing to be a massive chorus <laughs> going forward before, yeah, before we get swamped by further climate events. Do check out the websites of the Women's Climate Congress, of She Changes Climate, and if you're a mayor, the Global Covenant of Mayors for Climate and Energy. And so please go and look up those, those things afterwards and follow them up. Contact your local government in wherever you are in the world to pass on what we've been talking about here today and to increase the voice for these, these ambitions that we've been talking about, these ambitious agendas which are so needed. Thank you, everyone, and um, enjoy the rest of your evening if you're in Australia, the rest of your day if you're somewhere else in the world. And thank you again from the bottom of my heart for joining us for this event today. And thanks to the Women's Climate Congress for making their Zoom conference available to be made into a podcast. The Women's Climate Conversation are on at regular intervals, so check out the website to find out when the next one is on. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environment Justice Program. If you've missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced on the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or go to our Facebook or Instagram page. I hope you can tune in next time for more Earth Matters. I'm Beck Horridge. And here's a peace movement favourite, Joan Baez with We Shall Overcome, singing live at the Woodstock Festival in 1969. We shall. be all right.